Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. I am the adoptive mother of four. We started this program to tell our adoption stories and all we went through, the highs, the lows, and all it took to finalize on four children. Now we tell stories from all over the world. If you go to adoption-now.com, you can hear those podcasts. We share stories from the perspective of the birth parent, adoptee, and adoptive parent. We just started a new blog called Adoption Is, and you can find that on our website. We started Saturday Suggestions on Instagram, and that's to help you on your adoption journey. It's encouraging. It's pieces of advice about reactive attachment disorder, how to tell your family that you're adopting, and how to answer some of those questions that come up in the journey. And sometimes it's just hard to figure out how you answer them, and how you interact with your family now that things are changing. So we just want to be a resource for you to help you on your journey and really have answers when you're looking for just somebody to be on your side and for a community. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram. We're having a lot of fun. We would love for you to follow us there. Don't forget to review us on iTunes. We would love it. Okay, so one of the things we enjoy about the show is when families come on and talk about their adoption journey, how it changed their life, but then they turned around and they made a difference for other adoptive families. And that is exactly what our guest did today. Becky Fawcett is the founder and president of HelpUsAdopt.org, an equally based organization that seeks to reduce the financial burden of adoption by awarding large, life-changing, problem-solving grants. I love that. Becky, welcome to the show. Oh, April, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Becky, you and I have so much in common. When we first started talking, I mean, our backgrounds are both in media, and we just want to see change for adoption. We just want to help other families bring home children like we have. And so when you and I were talking, we connected on how expensive it is. It's too expensive. And what can we do to help? And obviously, there are a lot of changes that need to happen, but... What we can do right now is help families finish their adoption or start their adoption. You and your husband adopted your son, Jake, in 2005 and your daughter, Brooke, in 2009. Let's talk about that journey. That journey was rough. Uh, I just never thought I'd have trouble getting pregnant. I think this is very common. Never occurred to me this would be hard to do. And then when I ended up at IVF's door... I never for a minute thought it wouldn't work. And I think that was my biggest mistake, if I can go back and slap myself on the wrist, which is pointless, I know, but that's what you do. And I really wish that I hadn't gone into it with such denial about the fact that only 25% of the people who go to IVF end up with a live birth. I had success getting pregnant, but no success carrying those babies to term. And as I talk about it, I danced around the word adoption to the tune of $82,000 of in vitro. Wow. And I know I'm not alone, but I'll tell you something. That was 15, 16, 17 years ago. I was alone. I was the only person I knew who it didn't work for. And then when I ventured into the road of adoption, I was the only one I knew. And no one was talking about this. And the minute I would say things, people would look at their feet. 
And I decided then and there, before Help Us Adopt, before Jake came into my life, before I met his amazing birth mother, Victoria, I decided right then and there that I was going to talk about this. And I was going to talk about this loudly because, you know, there's eight, how many? Eight million infertile people a year. Yeah. And uh, most of us, like 80% of the adoptions that happen every year are people like me who fail infertility. So all these things rolled into one. After the third miscarriage, that was our fifth round of IVF. And if anybody's listening who's gone through this, people ask me all the time, when will I know? I'm like, oh, you will know. You will know. (laughs) That's right. When you look at your bank account and you have spent everything on IVF, then you know, okay, we can't do this anymore. And and when you go to the movies with your sister and you can't even sit through the movie because you're in so much pain from, what, three years of shots in Mm. my hips, right? Mm -hmm. Like... There were things, there were, you know, the highs and the lows and all of that emotional stuff. And three miscarriages really is enough. No one deserves to go through that ever. I don't care what your journey is. And then that last piece, you're absolutely right. We were watching that needle on the savings account and we had $40,000 left. And so we switched to adoption, went down that road. And I also like to talk about the fact that I was terrified absolutely terrified, did not want to do this, could not believe this was how I was going to become a mother. And while some listeners might be thinking, oh my God, that's an awful woman on the other end of this (laughs) this line I'm listening to. It's an honest woman on the other end of this line you're Mm -hmm. listening to. It's totally honest woman. My children know these stories. And then the flip side to the woman who didn't want to adopt is the woman who then met Jake's birth mother, Victoria, realized oh my God, there's a human on the other end of all this too, mm-hmm. who's struggling as well. And we're actually bonding. And then I was in the delivery room with her when Jake was born. And when I met that little human, I said, oh God, I had a different journey. It hit me. It hit me. And now Jake always laughs. And he's like, aren't you the fool? You didn't want to adopt. Look how great I am, right? <laughs> That's so and sweet. I, do, I don't go back and kick myself over all the rounds of IVF because I do know, and any adoptive parent will tell you, timing is everything in adoption. And had I not done exactly what I did, my timing would have been off for Jake, which means my timing would have been off for Brooke. And now I have these two kids. And I look at them every day, and I can't believe they didn't come out of my body. I mean, we just laugh of how this has all worked out in such a good way. And we have two open adoptions, which are lovely, and things that I, relationships I never saw coming, never saw coming. Jake's birth mother and I were on the phone last week because it was his birthday. And I said to her, I go, you know, I never thought I would love you so much. I just, I didn't see it. And she goes, well... If it's any consolation, I didn't think that I would like you guys either. I never thought 13 years later, we'd all still be talking. And here we are. That's so great. I mean, that is just such a remarkable change in you. And I love that you're so open about that because you and I are very similar in that where I went through a change too. I always wanted to adopt, but I didn't know if I really wanted to be a mother. Isn't that weird? And so when this baby came to me, it changed my life. I mean, I didn't realize, and you said it too, how much I enjoyed parenting this this baby boy and how close we would be in our lives and how much I needed him. I needed him. 
you know, he always says that to me. He's like, mom, you walked in the hospital and you needed me. And I'm like, you right. are right. And, you know, people try to point out, oh, no, he needed parents. He's the lucky one. No, there's really no lucky person in this. It is a beautiful story that was meant to be. Now, you and I had talked about when you sat down with the lawyer at first, and this is what really launched you into starting Help Us Adopt. You realized this was going to be really expensive. I just want to say your organization is huge. You're based out of New York, and you have given over $2.6 million away. So, I mean, this is not something that you just thought, you know, I want to help a couple families. You have helped how many families? Well, gosh, 264, and we're about to award probably another 10 grants and we'll be finalizing some of the details before that news goes public. You know, I'd love to say that, that I only do things and I do them big and the best, and, but I didn't know that when I started Help Us Adopt. So I am so grateful as to what it has blossomed into. And I won't lie to you, I have been one determined girl on the other end of this, blood, sweat, and tears to make it happen. But yeah, it started in, so it was January of 2005, and we sat in my lawyer's office in January 2005 on the journey to Jake, and he handed us, you know, the cost estimation sheet, and it had all the categories of costs, the highs, the lows, and then the total at the bottom, and we all had to sign it, so there was no shock when it was going to cost approximately $40,000, which is exactly what it cost. And that was exactly what was in my savings account. And, you know, I want to say that I am so grateful that I had that money, but that was all I had. You know, we owned a very tiny house at the time, very tiny. We had this savings account, but I knew we could rebuild. I knew that spending that money wasn't going to put me out on the street or make me not be able to pay my bills. So I was very grateful for that. But I also knew you know, the life that I'd had and and the education I had. And I started thinking, like, there are other parts of the country and a lot of other people that probably don't have the same journey. And what is happening to them at this point? What are they doing to afford this? So I started doing some research and I started talking to a lot of people. and, And I never thought I'd start my own nonprofit. But the reason I started my own nonprofit was because the Jake's 13. So I guess I started doing research a little before he was born, like 13 and a half years ago, and then I sort of percolated on it for a while. But the only organizations that existed at the time thought that a family was a white man married to a white woman worshiping a certain God, adopting a certain way. And then there was more rules that went along with this before they would help you. And that's not what a family is to me. I happen to be a white woman married to a white man, but there were no more boxes that I could check on their list because I started becoming what they didn't think was a family. And there's a lot of people with all different colors of skin, worshiping all different kinds of gods, loving all different kinds of people. And then there's this great big category of people who go it alone and become parents. And the single parent category was being left out of the adoption landscape. And so... I sat down and I wrote a business plan for the nation's only non-discriminatory in any way adoption grant program. We don't require an application fee. That's how others raise money. I raise money the old-fashioned way. I'm not going to ask it of my grant applicants. It's terrible. And we give large grants. We're not giving a 1,000 here, a 1,000 there, so our overall numbers look better. I'm giving less grants, but bigger grants 
to help families that really can't close the gap. Because if they can't close the gap, it means you can't complete your adoption. It means you can't bring that kid home, period. So our goal is to help families who maybe have 35 of the 40,000 and just can't figure out that last five or 10 or 15. And we help bring these kids home with you. And we complete the cost of your adoption. You know, you said something to me and I want to bring it up. I know it's not your favorite topic, but somebody said to you, isn't this a Band-Aid? I mean, really, yeah. the problem is, is that adoption is too expensive. And with all of the infertility, the price is almost going up constantly, right? We're seeing 25, right. but then up to $60,000. And so there are people who say, I want to change that. And you giving money is only creating a Band-Aid, as we just said. Yeah. You know, you're only just, you're not fixing the problem. What do you say to people so- who say that to you? Yeah. So first of all, I know there's naysayers out there and that's fine. The naysayers aren't usually doing anything to fix the problem either. So that is the first thing that everybody should open their eyes and take a look at. The people who complain the most usually do nothing to fix the problem. So that's that. Secondly, I know that. You know, I have a brain in my head. But the deal is this. We're in the here and the now. Adoption law is... How old is it? I mean, it's the dawn of time. It's state by state. It's not federal. You know, the list goes on. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a politician. I'm not a legislator. I am someone who said, okay, I could wait until all of this changes legally, and I could lobby for laws to change, but that's not going to bring the kids home. That's not going to solve this problem for all the children right here, right now, who need homes. And I looked at it and I thought, what can I do now? I was 37 when I started HelpUsAdopt.org. I'm 48 years old now, and there are 260 more families in this world because I'm willing to get hit in the face by the naysayers all day long. More than 264 children because some people adopt multiples and sibling groups. I can live with that. I don't think the other flip side to all of it is you can't ask these adoption professionals to work for free. You can't. People don't work for free. No one works for free, nor should they. And the other side of it, you need these licensed adoption professionals so that the adoption is legal, so that the birth mothers are treated well on their end, too. They need lawyers. The orphanages, those they need their orphanage fee because they need to, who else is going to take care of those children who are left behind? I've dissected all the costs. I've looked at what could go. You can't get rid of birth mother support. You can't represent yourself. Like, there's not much that can go here. Sometimes when people think they can do an adoption on their own and save money, it ends up costing them so much because you run fraud because you're not supposed to be doing this. You know, like if you're a publicist, you're not an adoption attorney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's the same way adoption attorneys can't be their own publicist. So I am used to the naysayers. And in the world of social media, there are people, gosh, they can't find a nice thing to say about anything. So it just sort of comes with the territory also when you're being a leader and facilitating change and poking some holes in a platform that hasn't necessarily had its holes poked for a while. Mm -hmm. That's so true. That is so true. You and I think very much alike as far as saying what we really feel or helping the adoption community 
stand up for what they believe in. You and I were talking on the phone and I told you a story about how an adoptive mom came to me and said, I I just need some advice. I have a two-year-old adopted son and he is hitting, he's hitting. And I'm like, well, he's two. And she's like, I know, but I, I have these friends and you know, they have little girls and they're upset and they're like, I think he's angry. I think he needs counseling. I think maybe it's because he's been adopted. She's like, what do you think? I'm like, I think he's two years old. I I mean, you can't tell that all those things right now. And she said, well, what should I do about my friends? And you and I were talking, I was telling you the story. And at the same time, we said, you need to get new friends, right? I mean, because we are not here to make people like us necessarily. When you bring a child into your home and people are saying negative things about your child because they are adopted, you have to stand up for your child. Not that you are ignoring blatant issues. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that sometimes your your friends change. Sometimes you make decisions that you didn't think you'd make before. And you change in the process when you say yes to an adoption, as you were talking about earlier. So we have to take a break. When we come back, you are going to tell us about adopting Brooke, because that's a funny story. And you're going to tell us how to apply. I know I have families listening right now and they're like, wow, we're in that final phase and we just can't seem to get that $8,000 or $10,000. And so you're going to explain how they can apply for your grant. That's great. You're listening to Adoption Now. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Noah, April's husband. Thank you for tuning in to Adoption Now. This month is National Adoption Month and Giving Tuesday is November 27th. We are doing our annual fundraiser this month to help us produce the podcast and give more stories a voice. We need your help. Would you partner with us? We are a 501c3 nonprofit and your donations are a huge help. Go to adoption-now.com to donate and this year, when you give, you will be put into a drawing for an Adoption Now prize pack. Again, that's adoption-now.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today, we're talking to Becky Fawcett. She's the founder and president of HelpUsAdopt.org. And this is a grant awarding organization. She helps families in their last phase of the adoption. She helps them bring that baby home. And she doesn't give $1,000, $2,000. She's giving $10,000 to a family. You have helped so many families. You've given over $2.6 million away. And you are an adoptive mom. Becky, tell us about your second adoption with Brooke. Oh my gosh. So my first adoption was 10 months from the day I met my lawyer to the day I held my son. My second adoption was two and a half years. Wow. And I will say, like, there were points where I'm like, I don't understand it. I mean, no one wanted us. No birth mother wanted us that second time around. You know, the agency we used was wonderful, but they would say their average send out for a profile book was like nine to 12 times you were picked. I stopped counting at 29 times. I couldn't handle it anymore. And it was a rough, rough journey. But then I met this kid. (laughs) And I know that I was, I mean, it was a horrific wait, but I absolutely have the child I was supposed to have. We are so alike in many ways. And her birth mother is just wonderful. And it really is amazing. But so It was November 18th, 2009, and Brooke's birth mother, Kelly, was going to the doctor for her, like, her final checkup, and she calls me, and she's like, I'm so sorry. I think they messed up my due date. 
there is nothing happening, like less than nothing happening. Like, I think it's a few more weeks until you can even think about coming to Texas. And I was like, you know, that's no big deal. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And I really took it to heart. And so the next day, November 19th, 2009, I'm walking home. I live in New York City, so I'm walking. And I get this frantic call on my cell phone of, oh, my God, I'm in a car headed to the hospital. And I think this baby's going to be born in the backseat. Oh, my God, she's coming. Oh, my gosh. My daughter was not born in the back of a car. My daughter was born in the hospital by the skin of her teeth. And I had jumped in a cab and I was talking to them the whole way back to my apartment. And I jumped out of the cab. And by the time I got up to my apartment in the elevator, there was a picture of a beautiful little girl cell phone. I mean, that's how fast it was. And the funniest thing is that's Brooke's personality. It's like, it's like she heard inside of this kid's not coming out. And she said, I'm coming out. Who are you <laughs> telling me I'm not coming out? <laughs> so Brooke does things in her time when she wants to, regardless of how convenient it is for everybody else. And I love that about her. And I love that her birth story mimics that personality. It's just, it's very fun. How long did you wait before you got out there. So that was it. The other trick of that whole puzzle was that it was the week of Thanksgiving. And we wanted to travel with Jake. Jake was four years old at the time, and we did not want to leave Jake home. We wanted this to be a family trip that he was included in to meet his sister and obviously stay in Texas until ICPC cleared. So that became a little tricky. I I got on the phone with the airline. And the woman came back to me and she said, ma'am, you've got all your tickets set here and that'll be $8,647. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I thought I said, coach, I don't fly first class. And she <laughs> said, ma'am, you're flying out of New York City to Texas the week of Thanksgiving. That is coach. Oh, my I'm gosh. Like, and we looked into driving and that wasn't going to get me necessarily to Texas any faster because I had a four-year-old. And we both, my husband and I don't love to drive. So, like... It wasn't a beautiful option either. But it, well, I would have done it if I had had to. Don't get me wrong. So I pulled myself together with this woman on the phone. And I said, ma'am, here's the deal. I'm going to cry. And I hope you can hear what I'm going to say. I just can't help it anymore. And I was like, I've been trying to have babies for 10 years. And blah, blah, blah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was pregnant three times. And I had three miscarriages. And then I adopted my son. I mean, I went through the whole I, I just couldn't hold it anymore. That last bill of $8,640 threw me over the edge. And this is part of why I do what I do. Like, no one's going to pay these bills but adoptive parents. And most of the time, like, sure, could I have figured out a way to pay that bill? Probably. Would that have really hurt us? Yes. Yes, it would have hurt us. I mean, I could have thrown it on a credit card. But I knew at that point, Brooke's adoption was like over $60,000. I didn't have another $8,000. Right. I didn't have it. I did not have it. And so she said, ma'am, hold the phone. And she came back on. To this day, I will always believe that she kicked some other family off a flight. And I'm so sorry <laughs> to that family. I'm so sorry to that family. But she said, will you fly through Charlotte with a one and a half hour layover? I said, I will absolutely fly through Charlotte. And so she got our tickets down to $700 a ticket. And it was a miracle. Which is and still a lot. Which was, is still a lot for traveling. But well, it was still a lot. It yes. Was over $2,000 oh. by the time all was said and done. 
But the funny thing was, on the way home, that flight through Charlotte got canceled, and we got a direct flight home anyway. And you said that you traveled with the car seat and stroller. Oh, yes. So I traveled with my snap-and-go car seat and the frame because I already owned it from Jake. Mm -hmm. And the paperwork was signed. The paperwork was signed. So you knew. Because because of this delay with the air travel, the paperwork was signed, and we were just going down for a very easy placement and spending a couple days with the birth parents. And so I'm wheeling through. I don't know if I flew through LaGuardia or JFK or what, but my husband saw the security line and like just froze and was like, oh, God, we're going to miss our flight. He does not like long security lines. Well, there's always a long security line in New York. And this security woman was sort of walking along the line and meandering and talking to people. And she goes, oh, ma'am, look at your stroller. Ma'am. I said, yes. She goes, ma'am, stroller's empty. Yeah, I know my stroller's empty. Where's the baby? I said, oh, my gosh. I'm like, we're adopting her. She's in Texas. She's waiting for us to get to her. She goes, are you kidding? I go, no. I go, here's my son. We adopted him four years ago in Maine. I said, I'm, I'm serious. I'm flying to Texas to pick her up. She goes, ma'am, you're not standing in this security line. So she took us through like the VIP first class gate. I mean, I, I obviously went through the metal detectors and everything, but we did not wait for one second. And she took us right gate. And I'm thinking to myself, I should travel with an empty stroller all the time. Right. <laughs> But it was very cool, and it really is lovely people. I mean, when you find people who just, again, it's back to your comment about being lucky. It's not about being lucky. It's just that you're building a family, and isn't that a beautiful thing? In adoption, we get to experience our journey, our baby journey, with so many different people. When you are pregnant and have a child, a biological child, you know, it's like very common to do that. And so it's between you and your husband and maybe your closer family. But when you are adopting, you bring in people from the airport. You bring in people at Wendy's. I mean, because the story is so big, right? And because you need all these people to help you bring home your child. I remember when we were in Florida and my flight got canceled, I was bringing home our youngest baby, Malia, and my flight gets canceled. And they're like, sorry, you can fly standby. And I'm like, well, I have a very small baby. And they're like, oh, we're so sorry, man, blah, blah. And so we go on to, now I have to stay in a hotel. So I stay in a hotel. They tell me to get up early and hopefully I'll make the flight. Get up early, do everything. I mean, she is so tiny. She's only 10 days old. And they say, I'm so sorry, you're number 13 in line. And I'm like, you are kidding me. And I open up this front carrier and show this little face that's clearly an adoption because we are not the same ethnicity. And I said, so when I run out of formula, should I just give her Starbucks? And they were like, oh, um, let me just, okay, let us just look at some things. And they got me on that flight. And I felt the same way. Like, who did they kick off or who gave up their seat so that I could get home, but we need to tell people the story to get where we need to go. And honestly, that was an honest question. There isn't a place you buy formula in, in an airport. And so thinking about all those things and someone should start that. Yes. Why don't we start that? It's genius. I was thinking that too, like there needs to be a CVS in here or something because 
when you're stuck, you're stuck. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And so I enjoyed bringing people into the story and every one of my adoptions. And, you know, I always felt like call them what you want, but they're kind of like little angels that are, are put there for you to guide you and help you get, get home and get your baby safe. Let's talk about how a family can apply for a grant. Yes. So everything for helpusadopt.org is parent and on our website, which is helpusadopt.org. And there's an FAQ page and there is the application that you can download and there's a cover page to the application, which has all the guidelines and advice. And if I were to be sitting with an applicant, which I don't, I'm just using that as an example, be complete, follow the directions. And when you get the chance, to tell us your story in your personal statement. Tell us your story. That's our window into you. I will tell you, I'm actually, there's a big conference in New York in a couple weekends, and I'm giving a speech on the do's and don'ts of adoption grant writing. And the number one don't is for this personal statement. When people write three sentences, and they write, like, we really want to be parents, we've been suffering from infertility, and we think we would like to adopt a child. That's not a personal statement. That's everybody's statement at that point. And we get about 400 applicants a cycle. And we're looking for the window into you guys, the window into your story, your struggle, why you want to do this. If you've met your birth, if been matched with the birth mother, or if it's international and you know when you're going and you've met the, tell us your story. We aren't just a numbers game. I don't have a formula that we plug people in. Our decision is based on a lot of factors. And I do tell people this. Applying to helpusadopt.org is the difference between not wanting to write the check, which, let's be honest, no adoptive parent says, I'm really glad about that $63,000 I spent on that adoption. But we want people to apply to us who can't write that last check. And I know that's a very humbling experience, and I know it's a terrible experience, but you're applying to a safe zone. You're applying to a group of people that... We created this organization specifically for you. We know how hard it is. We know how brutal this is. And we know how awful it is to have to ask strangers for help. But the strangers on the other end, that's what we're here for. We're here to help. And we read absolutely every application that comes through our door. Because we feel your story is valid. And we want you to know it's read. It's not like we go through the cover sheet and say, nope. We read every last word. And we're really looking for that family that is going to opt with or without our help, but with our help, they will be in a better financial position when they get to the end of the road, or with our help, they're even going to be able to complete in the first place. Give us an example of a family that you've chosen. We do a lot of adoption grants for special needs children. So there was a family we gave a grant to probably five or six years ago in Pennsylvania, and there was a little girl who was lingering in foster care because she had several genetic diseases and a brain malformation. And they were saying, and it was one of those, it was one of those strange instances that she was in foster care, but somehow then ended up in a private adoption situation. And I'm not exactly sure. This goes back to the laws being so difficult sometimes. So this family never really anticipated adopting a special needs child like this, but read about her story and knew instantly that she was their daughter. And so we gave them, I believe it was $8,000. That's all they needed to complete the cost of this adoption. 
And this child was given a prognosis of nothing. She's never going to walk. She's never going to talk. She's never going to be able to go to school. Nothing. And they still said, that's our daughter. With a little love and a lot of therapy and the right doctors, this child has walked. Most of the time, she's in a wheelchair that she operates with a blow tube. She communicates through that blow tube as well. She's in a mainstream elementary school with an aide. She's not in a special needs school. She's been given a guide dog to help her or a therapist dog to help her. It was beautiful golden retriever. And she has surpassed every benchmark that every doctor has thrown in front of her. And we played a part of that. Mm-hmm. You know, when I tell that story to our donors, I'm like, that's a miracle right there. Mm-hmm. That is a group of strangers who came to sit together and said, you're worthy. And her parents said she was worthy before they even met her just from hearing her story. And, you know, these are the stories I love. I love these stories. This is when adoption is beautiful. And mm-hmm. we are lucky, sorry, to be part of all of this. We are lucky to witness these miracles. Mm-hmm. Fortunate, maybe, is the better word. I don't know, but... There are miracles in front of us every single day. And you know what? Especially in the world we're living in right now where people aren't very kind to each other. I get to live in a world every day where people are kind to each other. It's very cool. It's amazing. It's very cool. Yes. Becky, you really are amazing. Once again, that is helpusadopt.org. You were named one of CNN's 2011 Heroes by People Magazine. You have been in the Wall Street Journal as a donor of the day. You were recognized by Neiman Marcus as a strong woman who is making a noise within her community. You have been on the Today Show, Good Morning America, the Steve Harvey Show, People.com. I mean, you are really making an impact by giving grants. And so if you're interested, I I really recommend that you check them out at helpusadopt.org. Becky, thank you so much for your time. Oh my gosh, I was so grateful to be on your show today. Thank you. Absolutely. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and remember all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Thank you for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week.